Kia ora, welcome to the Naku Mam A podcast where we share the stories of New Zealand parents who have had a baby in a neonatal unit across the country. My name's Shan and I'm your host. Um, today we're speaking with Sinead, whose first baby, Atticus, was born at 32 weeks back in 2020. Uh, she had some threatened labour before he was born, but they managed to get that under control and then he just decided 32 weeks was it for him and he was ready to come uh they tried to stop it couldn't and then he was born um so yeah they had quite a fast labor so it was all quite quite go for them Eddie spent six weeks in Wakato Niku he was teeny tiny when he was born 1.9 pound um mostly just oxygen as is common with those kind of uh, gestation babies and feeding and growing um you know establishing a, supri- a supply for Sinead and yeah just pretty standard little 32 week of things um she since went on to have another baby boy Alfie but he was born at term so she will tell us a little bit about the differences between her prem birth and her first pregnancy and a full-term birth in her second pregnancy so yeah I hope you enjoy um so I'm Sinead um and I have two little boys um Atticus is my first and he was my little preemie Niku baby and I also have Alfie who's a year and a half and he was full-term quote-unquote regular sort of thing so yeah (laughs) um normal 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 I hate that word but you know I know (laughs) so how was your pregnancy with Atticus obviously he came early but up yes. until then how so how was it it was actually pretty good like we got pregnant really quickly it was wasn't something that we really struggled with which was quite mm-hmm. a blessing um and pretty normal had a little bit of bleeding from memory at around six sort of weeks so you know first child was quite frightening um mm. but it was fine everything was fine but we did find out that I am like my blood I think I'm being negative my blood type right, and so, right. um I already had a midwife by then because obviously I was like yay I'm pregnant quick find a midwife as quick as possible mm. <laughs> um so did that and found out that I'm negative so then if there was going to be any future bleeding I would have had to have an anti-D injection I don't know if you know much about that I kind of barely remember it but yeah so it was fine then um, and luckily I didn't have any further bleeding um, in the first trimester because that's when it's really kind of risky right Um, but yeah no pregnancy was pretty normal he was a little bit small I think from memory Um, and I remember kind of being like oh how come I don't have this like big puku like everyone gets but (laughs) I was also quite a small person but generally he was fine he was he had a small growth trend but there was nothing nothing too major Um, it was around about 30-ish sort of weeks I got a lot of I guess Braxton Hicks throughout the pregnancy and by the time I was about 25 26 sort of weeks I was waddling around and everyone was like what's going on I had like quite a sore pelvis and everything was quite challenging because he sat really low for a really long time um and all was sort of fine but then yeah it was around 30 weeks I um spent the day feeling like I had Braxton Hicks um kind of mentioned it to my midwife and she's like oh you're probably okay let's sort of monitor how it goes and overnight had a little bit of bleeding so then the following day I kind of I can't remember what time it was but I ended up popping into um 
the birthing unit um because I'm in Hamilton and we've got two incredible birthing units I was at Mm. um River Ridge Mm. and um yeah she put me on the monitors and she was like oh you are actually having contractions (laughs) and I was like oh my gosh so um obviously when I got there because I had been bleeding I had to have my anti-D and then um monitoring with the you know Mm. we know the monitoring system and um yeah, she monitored for about an hour, then called the hospital and that everyone was kind of bit like, oh God, we better get this checked out. So then we just mm. spent many hours at the hospital that night. Um, further checking, no one could figure out anything. I didn't have any excessive bleeding. I wasn't really dilated. They mm. did that, um, what's that test called? The fetal fibronectin. That fibronectin test. test, yeah. They did that and it all came back negative and the doctors were all like, hmm, kind of got the sense that they were just like, oh, love, you're okay. It's just Braxton. You know that sort of sense when yeah. you don't feel like they're taking you super seriously. But yeah, yeah. I was like short of breath. It was painful. Mm-hmm. Um, so and anyway, you had then, Braxton Hicks up until that point. Yeah. Like you know that this is different. Yeah, exactly. So I was kind of like, mm, this is a bit odd. But anyway, they sent us off home and my midwife came and saw me the next day and everything sort of seemed fine. But um, this was just before just before Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was literally the week of Christmas and my doctor, the doctor at the hospital was sort of like, I would start considering whether or not you can slow down at work after the holidays. Mm. You know, it might just be something to think about if you've already been here once, you know, there's, we don't know what mm. might happen. So I kind of was mm. like, okay, but at least we had the two week break. And then I remember um, the Christmas holiday break, I barely did anything. I just sort of mm. sat around, um, didn't really have any further Braxton Hicks or anything like that. Just sort of tried to continue my life as normal um, up until it was my birthday. So my birthday is the 3rd of January and I was sick of sitting around like a potato. So I was like, I just <laughs> want to go. And you know, when you're pregnant and just, you get obsessed over things. Yeah. <laughs> specifically remember being like I just want to get a pair of those cool sunglasses like chains that I saw all the girls wearing and I was like I've got to go buy some so this was like early 2020 so it was like (laughs) yeah (laughs) it was like January 2020 and I was like I'm just I'm gonna go to the mall so I went to um the base here in Hamilton and went for a big yeah. wander through that mall probably the worst thing I could have done because I literally got back home and it essentially put me in labor oh my god! <laughs> I, I got my glasses chain though so that was great <laughs> <laughs> did you wear them much after you had the baby no I forgot about it <laughs> I don't even know where they went to but anyway it was important to me at the time um, I um yeah so then that night I kind of felt cramping and I was just like oh no here we go again um got them overnight and then the next day literally spent the day being like we were my husband and I were just kind of like oh this can't be it like they literally told us you're not in labor nothing's happening Mm. and I was feeling the contractions like I was fully short of breath like I sat in a bath I sat in a shower I did all of the things um that you do when you're in labor because I was in so much pain but I was exactly but everyone had told me that it was just breaks and hicks it's not what it is so I couldn't even believe my own body which was really disempowering and I found that really frustrating because I had whilst I was in my early pregnancy I'd done you know the all of the courses and I mm. even did um, a hypnobirthing course where I met one of like my best friends and that was mm. so incredible so I felt really empowered and I was going to have this fantastic birth at the birthing mm. center and I was going to 
control my breathing and it was just going to be fantastic uh yeah. but alas it did not turn out that way uh, eventually I think it was like four o'clock in the afternoon um I was like I better probably call the midwife <laughs> and yeah. called her and she was like what the heck you've been at home all day like what are you doing you should have come straight in and I was like oh anyway so I, we didn't, turned... I didn't want to worry you literally that do. was the entire that was the whole vibe of the thing like oh, I didn't want to yeah. worry it you know everyone told yeah. me it was fine so yeah so rocked up to the birthing unit again and she checked and she was like okay yeah no straight to the hospital um and so we got there and it was like it's quite a blur really but I ended up in Mm. hospital for about three days um again the constant like they did all the testing again and everything was coming back like fine um apparently Mm. I remember learning later on someone eventually they did another check and I was actually already a centimeter or so dilated. So mm. at some point over that time kind of started dilating, but still no one really believed me. I feel mm. um, they were just kind of like, they so many scans, so many blood tests, everything. And it came back like, we can't see anything. We can't see mm. that you're, it's not even like your placenta's pulled away. I wasn't having any profuse bleeding. I wasn't sort mm. of doing anything. I was just contracting. I was just in labor. Um, and yeah, I remember it being very painful, but I was using all my hypnobirthing strategies. Um, they gave me the steroid injection, um, yeah. as well as, I don't know what it was, but some kind of medication to try and stop the labor, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember that first night, it was so awful. I had like, um, I could I was in so much pain. They ended up giving me morphine at about four o'clock in the morning because I hadn't mm. slept. I was so exhausted. But mm. over that night, I saw anaesthetist in case I had to have an emergency C-section. I saw Niku came down at one point talking to me about, you know, this is what might happen. I, I was completely incoherent with like how mm. exhausted and stressed out I was. It was very bizarre and um they were really gatekeeping about calling your midwife as well which was really bizarre um Mm. they kind of like I think I text my midwife at one point and then she called them and spoke to them and then said oh they'll contact me if something happens you know it was very bizarre and so she kind of wasn't yeah really contacted but after that first night because I think you have to have two steroid injections if you can yeah yeah 48 hours apart yeah I think I, I got like, them yeah. 12 hours but 12 I was hour. I was Yours in was labor like quicker fully. yeah yeah because yeah. I think what essentially what happened is mine so I had it at 9 p.m the first night and I was supposed to have it at 9 p.m the following night so it must have been 24 yeah. hours or something like that um yeah so that night eventually everything sort of slowed down they were had the monitors on me all night was in the um in the maternity like labor ward <laughs> oh, yeah. that was quite an intense experience in itself mm-hmm. um yeah, eventually it sort of slowed down and stopped. Um, and everyone was like, oh, great, awesome, fantastic. We're going to send you up to the um, the other maternity ward, like the mm, upstairs mm. one, because, you know, everything looks like it's fine. It will give you your last, you know, steroid injection and you can head home tomorrow. And I was like, okay, that's fantastic. I uh, got through, had my second steroid injection. Everything was all well until about like midnight that night. And then I was just in so much pain um, and or sure the ladies will know that um the needing to poo feeling started yeah. returning yeah. and uh yes yeah, so I was like oh here we go <laughs> um, but Atticus was fine like through all of this he was he fine was until this midnight point um and there was right. a heart destat and right. so then the girls upstairs weren't particularly equipped for that so they quick as 
fast send me back downstairs and everyone was monitoring yeah. and I spent the whole night on monitoring um and he was fine there was a couple of little d stats and I think at one point the following morning um so that was what was it Saturday and then Sunday and then Monday morning which was the day that he eventually came um mm-hmm. Yeah, there was another DSTAT and they started running around to do things, but then decided it was probably because of how the bands were on my stomach and it wasn't necessarily that he was in distress. Um, right. And um, obviously all through this, you're alone, even though it was pre-lockdown, it's not like anyone could stay with me. So that was yeah. um, a bit of a challenge. And I remember my phone died at one point and then <sighs> my, it was just such a drama. Um, but anyway, it was quite great because that morning, um, I remember still no one really took me seriously until I started bleeding. I went to the toilet and I started bleeding. And I remember being like, oh, I'm bleeding. Yay. They're going to have to do something. They're going to have mm. to take me seriously. And this whole mm. time I was contracting and in so much pain and using mm. all my hypnobirthing strategies, which I think was actually really helpful. Um, given all of the chaos around me, I was controlling, yeah, my like keep I was controlling and... myself. Exactly. Yeah. I was really trying to center myself. And I think that was a really massive blessing. Um, and um I remember there was a student midwife that was there as well and I just attached to her because there were so many people around all the time like you just lose track of everybody and she was a student midwife so she just hung next to me and stayed there because still no one had contacted my midwife about anything Mm. so Mm. um my phone like I said my phone had died and so I was relying on everyone else and I kept being like call my midwife call my midwife and then a couple hours went past and I remember being in so much pain that I was like I literally can't cope with this anymore because I'd been like nope I want it to still be natural I don't want to have an epidural I'm even though he's early I'm going to try and do this the way I want to do it um which I thought control of the situation exactly and then it got to that point where I was like oh my gosh I think it was like starting to transition you know when they say Mm -hmm. but in hindsight you don't really in the moment you don't know that that's what's happening and then I remember just saying like please can someone just check see where we're at and then I can make a more informed choice on whether or not I'm going to have an epidural or gas in here or where we're at too because I was like I'm in so much pain and um, they had checked me that morning and I was only two centimeters and in the space of about two hours I'd gotten to eight centimeters and so it wasn't until they checked and it like they just didn't do anything right and then Mm. I was like please do something they finally checked and then all of a sudden it was like oh my gosh everyone was called they were sending me up to the birthing unit and it was like pium, 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 so fast yeah, and then yeah. yeah he came incredibly quickly um after that um same story as most so many people in the room it was like a proper display you know mm-hmm. um and when he eventually came he came quite quickly um I think they ended up um having to give me a bit of an episiotomy because they went from being like don't push don't push don't push to like screaming at me to push so it was all yeah. very by that stage eventually my midwife got there like within 15 minutes and then he was born so that was a little bit rough um and yeah and then they kind of gave me like it was hard because I wanted like delayed cord clamping and all of that beautiful stuff which is just not really a possibility when you've got like a little baby and I think that was really hard to like let go of um Mm. at the time and um yeah so then kindly finally got to hold him and um hubby off he went with the baby because sort of take you away um yeah. I was quite thankful my midwife stayed with me because obviously baby was fine there's all these beautiful incredible nurses down in the NICU that looked after him so well and um yeah my midwife stayed with me and it was all just like a shock still you know like because mm. it went from mm. nothing's happening you're not in labor to like there's a baby and it's gone yeah um yeah. I don't remember anything that anyone had told me prior about the NICU so yeah it was all a little bit all over the place um mm. 
Yeah, so I was actually quite lucky from listening to some other people's stories. They've, um, there's quite a delay between when they actually got to meet baby yeah. and all that sort of jazz. Um, but yeah. I got down there within about three hours, which was quite nice. Right. Um, I think because the birth in itself was reasonably straightforward, like you said, had it in episiotomy, but the doctors sewed me up quite nicely. I was mm-hmm. in pain, but it was nothing it wasn't extreme you know mm. um so yeah I went down in a little wheelchair we've been talking about what time of the day the was flat. he born lunchtime like right about right. 12 p.m like 12 or 6 or something like that yeah. um yeah. yeah so it was the hospital was quite busy it wasn't like the middle of the night it was just yeah it was quite bizarre um but yeah I eventually went down a couple of hours later um my parents got there and they got to look at him Mm. through the window before I got to see him and so that was really special for them because they were just my mum my poor mum was just utterly shocked like oh my gosh like um and they were the first grandchild he was the first grandbaby yeah so it, it was very exciting for everybody um but because we didn't even really know what was happening it was hard to warn people and let them know what's happening mm. and my mm. I know live in Auckland so um and because it was Christmas time my family actually holiday up um, north of Whangarei and so mm. they were four hours away yeah, so by yeah. the time they like got all the way down there it was all done and dusted but at least they got to sort of see him reasonably quickly had a little peek through the window and mum got to like look at them through the little inky um yeah yeah, and I remember my first cuddle with him was just um we were in like the intake unit so we were in unit two I think one or two I think at Waikato Hospital um and um yeah I finally got him on my chest and it was so lovely and I could not comprehend how tiny he was like it was just bonkers but I remember I was so emotionally done that I was just like I can't I can't and I literally lasted like 15 minutes holding him and was like I have to go like oh it was awful it's Um, a lot eh yeah it was a lot like your adrenaline's probably just you know come down like you've just given birth your baby's been taken you've been in labor for like days and days and days it was so exhausting it was just yeah yeah, and I think it was just too emotionally too much and so yeah I was just like had a little cuddle like took a photo was like okay please take him like I I don't know what to do um and it was also really quite scary because they're so small and they have all the tubes and they're in the little thing and you're like am I allowed to touch him I remember Mm. asking like can I touch him and the nurses were like yeah he's your baby and I was like is he though like he doesn't feel like mine and I think Mm. that was quite a big emotion that I think is quite universal but also Mm. really confronting when you have it and it was just yeah that was really odd um but he was fine he came out and he was he cried straight away he was just teeny there was Mm. absolutely nothing wrong with him again very grateful very lucky that that's all it was he just came early yeah um so they checked the placenta they checked everything and still nobody could really identify why the only put like my um scans I had good blood flow there was there was mm-hmm. just nothing so the only possibility was that maybe there was a tiny tear like a tiny tear of the placenta coming away and that was enough to kind of like get things started so generally yeah. he was really healthy um we were moved into room seven in the middle of the night essentially and I remember waking up to a call from them like dazed and confused and was like oh we're just moving um Atticus to room seven or whatever it was and I was like what's going on like and yeah, like, what does that room, mean you know yeah, like what does that mean what does that I mean I had, I had no idea and I was just yeah. it was it was it was a lot and I they were just like everything's fine don't worry about it they were like come down first thing in the morning and we'll, mm-hmm. we'll talk you all through it then and I was like okay like mm-hmm. <laughs> falling asleep um 
same experience the next morning all of those forms to sign mm. do you give permission for dummies and all of these sorts of stuff we were very grateful that um we got some donor milk whilst we were there um because my supply didn't come in I think like a gen, quite a normal experience I think I was desperately trying to hand express had a really lovely nurse come in and try and hand express mm. for me to try and get mm. some colostrum and it, it just wasn't doing particularly well um so breastfeeding was an interesting journey because it was something I so desperately wanted to do but I think he was yeah. about a week and a half old before he was even able to breastfeed because what happened is essentially he did well at in the NICU for about five or six days and then um he started struggling with his breathing um mm. it was just became a little bit more laborsome for him to breathe just mm. because he was little he was just so mm. tiny that it was just mm. too much for him so he ended up on oxygen um it was the nasal flow rather than CPAP so um he started on like high flow and then over time sort of reduced his his flow but because of the fact that he found it challenging to breathe I meant I wasn't really allowed to start breastfeeding until yeah, he was stronger yeah, so yeah. we did like the drop feeds with the big syringes and with the mm. tubes and all of that sort of jazz um but he did really well with that and again so grateful for the donor milk um mm. at Waikato Hospital they have a really fantastic system um there were some incredible ladies there but I do also remember getting awful anxiety going into the like the mum's pumping room in there and there was these incredible mm. ladies who must have been there for a while with their pumps just like going for it and I was like yeah, yeah I got 20 mils like yeah yeah I so felt that like that too and I remember yeah. like saying to one of the nurses oh I got like 100 mils today and she was like off each side and I was like no like in, in total, total. and yeah, I was same. so proud of that and she just same. like fully cut me down I, I like, know oh. Oh, it's, and it's so hard because some of them were really supportive with her and some of them weren't so much um yeah. but I I was quite stressed about it really quickly and I tried yeah. all the natural things you possibly could but ended up on domperidone so that I could actually build my supply because I was desperate to breastfeed and I was like I'm gonna yeah. make it work I'm gonna make it work so I was very grateful that my midwife supported with that um and we were pretty much on domperidone my entire breastfeeding journey because I ended up from not being able to feed until he was a week and a half old to feeding all the way up until he was about 17 months old I think wow he just sort of yeah and he sort of self-weaned at that point so it was yeah. a really positive of experience in the long run but um there was a lot of determination from myself yeah, to yeah. make it, it is happen, hard work it is yeah even though it's such it a natural really thing hard. but it is really yeah. difficult nickel or not exactly it is, it is really exactly. hard it's quite funny. I think it was, I think NICU and being in the hospital was really weird as a parent. And then when you go on to have successive children, you kind of lose a little bit of that um, self-consciousness because yeah. we were there in NICU, like boobs out, like nurses helping get the latch, yeah. like all of that. And it was, yeah, they were so fantastic. Um, surprisingly, well, not surprisingly, I don't know what I mean by that, but um, I actually had a male NICU nurse and he was the most helpful at getting a really good latch <laughs> compared yeah. to some of the women that I had, which was really interesting so yeah you know it was just such a mixed bag and um the nurses we had in room seven were um so fantastic um and I was um I have heard a couple of people other people talk about it as well as when you're in the rooms and they do the rounds in the morning with the doctors and everyone checks in to see how everyone's going and it's supposed to be mm. private but a lot of times I'd be feeding or holding and they couldn't really mm. kick you out of the room um mm. 
I really got to know a couple of the babies around the room. Um, mm. And I'm still really, really, really close friends to this day with a couple of our Niku like baby friends I heard yourself is the same and a couple of yeah, other women yeah. have mentioned it as well and I think that was the biggest saving grace of the experience in Niku yeah. was actually finding mums that got it because it's so yeah. different it's a different experience they're on this really strict routine like you've got to stick to this three hourly routine mm. you feed change pump hold them put them down like do all those sorts of things and it was so nice having parents that were like in the same boat that you could yeah. kind of connect with and so that's been incredible now the, the kids are almost four now so yeah. and they're all kind of just it's incredible to see how much they've grown um but yeah we were really lucky with with our experience we didn't really have any challenges with any of the nurses or the doctors and Atticus's main um, challenge was really just putting on weight getting stronger so that he could reduce his nasal flow really mm -hmm. um yeah it was yeah but I think it was quite a hard experience as well for my family um with him being the first grandbaby and it being a really really um interesting experience with mm -hmm. how uh you kind of got to experience it like I think he was you know almost a month old before any of my family kind of came in and were able to hold him yeah um, and that's really hearing. hard as well, you know, like they want to be able to support you and they, they literally, they physically can't. They can't. And there's yeah. just nothing, there's just nothing you can do. And all, all I was doing was like running myself ragged, like getting up every day. I was there 12 hours most days from like seven till seven. I'd get up and get mm. dropped off in the morning and picked up in the afternoon and spent all day because I was so desperate to establish the routine and do all the cares. And, you know, mm. they kind of, once they start getting towards that readiness to leave, they really do require you to do everything. Yeah. Um, and because we were in room seven, which is like the, the less needy babies, because mm, you know there's some mm. that have more challenges um I think I've heard some women talking about how the nurses did a lot for them and they did some of the main things when they've got higher needs but we kind of never experienced that it was me having to do everything almost from sort of like week two other than the times that I wow. wasn't there um but yeah it was quite exhausting and I thought uh, I was quite desperate to get him home as you are <laughs> and yeah. I remember them always saying don't stress he's not going to be home until he's at least like 40 weeks like mm. he's not going to be mm. home till he's 40 weeks like don't mm. like just do what you need to um but I think it was about six weeks five and a half six weeks that we were there total it really um, it really bugged me because they were like that as well they were like you know they're not gonna like babies don't come home until 38 39 weeks 40 weeks whatever yeah. but then in the same breath they were like oh but the babies don't follow the book they go on their yeah, own. I know. And I'm like, but it's you so, just told me. You just told me that. And that they also be like, home. yeah. And then they'd be like, because uh, that you 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 become super obsessive over their stats and things. Like, yeah. I yeah. remember, and I still and the numbers, the weight gain, how yeah. much they're feeding. It was so obsessive. Like you'd have to. I think it really, really changed my parenting experience because I then mm. became obsessive and couldn't let it go for a very long mm. time I timed every single feed and if it was shorter than 10 minutes which was you know the whatever the rules were that they had if it was shorter than 10 mm. minutes then you'd still have to do a top-up feed and if it was longer than this then this sort of happened and there were so many rules mm. around it and it was really um I think it really skewed that experience of just being able to have a baby and do what you want with them because I just felt like, oh, stick to the routine, got to weigh them, got to do this, got to do that. Mm -hmm. And it was really, really overwhelming because like you said, nope, they don't go home until they're 40 weeks. But then mm -hmm. they'd say, he's just on his own trajectory. It's okay. He'll be here. Mm -hmm. We'll continue to support him until he keeps growing. Like he's just got to grow and get stronger, but then mm -hmm. he's not going to go home. So mm -hmm. yeah, that was- Did you um, find when you had Alfie that obviously he was born at term, 
did you mm. kind of have that mindset of like the schedule and the numbers and everything? I or did. did. You... No, I yeah. still did. And I battled that quite a lot. We were significantly less um, strict on it, but I still yeah. tried to stick to the kind of try and sleep for a couple of hours and have a couple of hours between feeds. I wasn't necessarily like bang on every three hours, have to feed mm. him or only feed him at this point, but it was definitely still in that routine. Um, but it wasn't until he got a little bit bigger that it kind of, you then sort of figure it all out because you're like, oh, yeah. full term. Because you feel like, normal. you feel like a new mum again, right? Like there's yeah. all this stuff that you, that you yes. don't experience. Like yeah. I remember when Angus's um, umbilical cord fell off and oh, it was yes. all like red and it was all like pussy and I was like, oh my God, this is And I like yeah. sent a picture to my midwife and she's like, no, that's just how it looks. Just, I, like, oh, oh, I never yeah. saw it with the twins and, and never got to that. Yeah, oh, that's so funny, isn't it? It's just, yeah. it was really, it was really, really bizarre. And I still find myself constantly comparing the two boys. And I feel like that's yeah. a normal parent condition that yeah. we compare our children yeah. as much as we try not to. Um, but then it's hard to be like, wait, hold on. When Atticus was, you know, six months old, he was actually only four months old. And so yeah. then I'm like, I don't, I don't know. How do you compare? How do we know yeah. who's doing what? Yeah. So l- luckily I've kind of dropped that now and I just kind of let them be and do, do sort of, whatever it might be but um yeah because it was interesting so Addie was born in January of 2020 and we got home we finally got him out of Niku I was very grateful I got to experience Niku not during COVID times Mm. so I still Mm. like the restrictions weren't as intense but we came home and I finally was like like, just missed it all right just missed it we literally got Mm. home and um then I had like threes of being like yay here I am on my maternity leave with my baby finally at home with me and I can do normal things and I can go and meet my parent the parent friends I met in my hypnobirthing class and start this fun maternity life and then lockdown happened (laughs) and we all got stuck inside for so long and it was really 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 interesting parenting throughout lockdown um I think there was a lot of us that experienced that yeah that was challenging but it was still really positive I think um but I guess it continued to kind of make things a little bit stressful because we didn't have any support during that very first newborn stage because he was in Niku and then finally I think my parents met him one time in person at our house and then we went into lockdown (laughs) so then it was like you know however many months it was until they we got out of lockdown that we were able to see them again so it was a very interesting first parent first you know like experience you know in a way it was kind of a blessing because you know he's obviously small and he was um what's the word yes vulnerable so yeah avoid that like first you know six eight ten weeks of yeah taking him out and getting him sick but then at the same time you like miss out on being able to show your baby off yes yeah exactly exactly that and then I think because and interesting coming from Niku and already you were very um they were very careful about hygiene and everything right like the hand sanitizer the washing of the hands like I and I kept on to that for a long time because I was like oh he's so little he's so vulnerable like uh, and then we went into lockdown and it just made it 10 times worse and it took a very long time to sort of let things go again again letting go of the routine letting go the hygiene it was all it was very intense very intense so how did you find Alfie's pregnancy? Obviously, he was born at term. Yeah, so he was how 38 weeks. Him? Well, that was, it was interesting. Like, um, his pregnancy was, 
similar I I didn't get overly sick or anything like that I mean I had constant nausea with both pregnancies and was on anti-nausea medication because I just could not handle feeling sick and having a toddler it was quite awful um but he was fine the there was I was lucky that there wasn't a lot of monitoring um really because we kind of knew that there was a likelihood I might go early so there were a couple of rules around everything and because I did end up having a um, significant amount of bleeding with um, Atticus's birth um there, we kind of were like well, it might be safer for us to be in hospital it might be safer if we do things in this sort of environment but in saying that if your pregnancy goes okay and he tracks and everything's fine then we might actually be fine to just birth at the birthing unit um and then during 2021-2022 that was when COVID came back around again and I managed to get Delta whilst pregnant and um, that was fantastic um we uh I was one of the first pregnant women in Waikato I think to get after I got it yes what, are, what happens what do you do so that was really stressful so it was really unknown and it was really yeah. scary because um that yeah no what no one really knew because yeah. delta was new to because it had ch- the strains change or whatever happens um and i remember um after i had covid and then i was this was when um the um isolation periods were really intense so we were essentially in isolation almost for a month until everybody was clear and we could able to get out and then from then on I then had to have um I had to have um blood thinner injections whilst I was pregnant with um Alfie because the risk of delta in pregnancy from my memory was that it can create um blood clots um and if you get too many blood clots in your placenta then that could be a possible reason for preterm labor and because I was already predisposed to having preterm labor it was a bit stressful we wanted to avoid that at all costs so that was only about two weeks of that like just a little injection straight into your stomach um so that wasn't a super fun experience but you know you have to do what you have to do and I remember going up to the hospital afterwards um to go and have a chat with one of the doctors about it and he was just like oh this is quite great you're my first pregnant woman I'm, I'm really looking forward to working with this this is really awesome and I was like oh, okay thanks yeah awesome like, yeah it's awesome. great I love awesome this as I love it I'm so happy because after already having a traumatizing experience the first time around to then being like yes this is going to be so healing and fantastic mm. <laughs> oh it was such a drama but the positive was it actually turned out okay um I did have a lot more monitoring. I had fortnightly, like week on, week off. One week I'd have a scan, one week I'd have monitoring from, I think it was about 28 weeks because that was aroundish when I had my COVID. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, so again, it was still kind of complicated, but his weight tracked, he continued to grow. There was no issues with my blood flow. So it actually ended up quite positive. And the doctors, the obstetrician I think that's what they're called um and my midwife and everyone agreed that if I got to 38 weeks I could birth in the birthing unit and I was Mm. utterly thrilled utterly thrilled um and then yeah Alfie came at a pretty much 38 weeks I think it was 38 one or something like that and I was like yes off to the birth unit (laughs) um yeah yeah, screw that so yeah so that was really quite nice and uh yeah really quick birth that worked out really nicely and so in that sense it was actually quite like there was some stress to the pregnancy but overall it was actually really positive because it ended up in a way that I wanted it to be in a place I wanted it to be I was in control and we got to have this delicious fat 
so fat compared to Atticus. It's like so fat. I think Addie was 1.9 pounds. So however many kgs that is. Um, and then Alfie was much bigger than that, but I've forgotten what it was because second child, you don't remember as well, right? <laughs> Poor second babies. Um, yeah, but yeah, we stayed in the birth unit for a couple of days and then got to bring them home. And it was just a really beautiful experience. And I yeah, was really grateful for that as well, that we kind of did get to have some of the things I wanted to yeah. during that birth. So yeah, so that was really positive. But um Did you have like lots of anxiety around the time that um Eddie was born or were you kind of preoccupied with the COVID thing? We, oh, anxiety around birth for Alpha you mean? Yeah, yeah. Oh so much anxiety. I was just I'm just a ball of anxious so anxious constantly. Every time I felt any sort of pain, I was like oh, early labor, early labor, like anything. I got we got a tummy bug when I was in late pregnancy as well and so started having contractions and ended up having to go and have some monitoring as well but they were like no no it's okay it's settled it's just because of this and they gave me like fluid and hydration and then once I was all hydrated up everything sort of stopped and so we were like oh, oh, but, um yeah. yeah so much anxiety and I think um yeah that very similar experience to most women going up going to see the doctors I still the obstetrician for the monitoring for alpha you have to go into the same place <laughs> in the same elevators and smell the hand sanitizer and it was really I had to work a lot on not letting that overwhelm me so much and um, I think I did okay with that but it was it was a lot I think I tried to keep myself busy with Atticus more than anything to kind of not let it take hold of how truly worried I think I was about having another preemie baby because I was like I can't I don't think I could cope doing that again <laughs> you get to a point where you were like okay no it's fine like we're gonna be good no I don't think I did because even I was still convinced I was still convinced that something was going to go wrong or something was going to happen all the way up until I was literally driving to the birthing unit but even then it was still a bit risky because of the risk of bleeding and hem the possibility of hemorrhaging my midwife sort of said yep 100% will be there but if you do start heavily bleeding then we're going to have to send you to the hospital and I was like okay but I just tried not to think about it <laughs> um, a little bit a little bit but not as not enough to send that would have required sending me off so that was quite good um yeah but yeah it just yeah it doesn't really stop I think <laughs> the anxiety and even now that um you know Atticus is almost four and Alfie's one and a half or something like that I still experience more a little bit more anxiety towards Atticus than Alfie mm -hmm. um just with the things that he does and when he's doing things I'm like oh 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 um because generally he, he's meeting all of his milestones and he's doing all the fantastic things that he should be doing um but he's just little he's very small he looks probably like a three-year-old he's one of the smallest in his kindy room at kindy yeah. and everyone's like oh how old is he and I'm like oh he's almost four and they're like wow gosh I would have oh my gosh like they were quite shocked by it um I mean I'm not a particularly tall or big no. person myself so it's nothing to worry about but I think he is a little chonker isn't he and he's an absolute chonker so it's really hard again but that, it really ties into that like constant stress of weight gain that Neku kind of instills in you so I'm just constantly I don't have any worries about Alfie but I'm constantly anxious that Atticus yeah. isn't big enough he's too small he's not eating enough he's not going to grow he's not going to do all these things um but um I my sister was actually a 32 weeker as well um my so 
runs in the family actually my sister and my sister-in-law also had early babies um so it's just somewhere in the genetics I guess <laughs> but I remember my dad saying to me when uh, Atticus was about one years old because everyone sort of says I don't know if you remember if people said to you they catch up usually yeah. by the time they're one they catch up you don't have to use their corrected age you don't have to do anything they'll catch up and they'll meet everything and it'll be fine and I remember my dad saying to me it's not when they're one your mm. sister didn't really fit until she was closer to five so yeah. he was like don't worry don't stress but I think my dad knows me really well too and knows that I was really anxious it's hard to know if Eddie wasn't a 32 weeker he might still just be a small kid exactly exactly <laughs> so it's so hard to know and I think that's that's the sh you just it's a constant reminder you have to keep reminding yourself because even Eddie compared to my two friends that have babies that were all within a couple of days of each other they're significantly bigger than he is yeah. as well and I'm like yeah, maybe he is quite, just quite yeah big, your boys are Jordan chunky boys Jordan and I yeah. aren't small people yeah sure yeah, sure so, so it's they just... were never gonna be these like you know skinny the little, little tiny preemies yeah and it's <laughs> like and he's a little skinny mini so and I mean he does eat like a little bird anyway but you know <laughs> he's a kid all Luca does is eat like I have to make them a lunchbox for after daycare and he'll eat his whole lunchbox and then be like what, what to eat I'm oh like, so <laughs> Dinner. Dinner. We're gonna have dinner. <laughs> oh, it's so funny. If I um if I give mine too much snacks after kindy, then they won't eat their dinner. So oh, the battle, the battle of food is real. It's a constant. Oh gosh, but yeah. But everyone is healthy and happy and Yeah, otherwise there is absolutely nothing wrong with him. He's perfectly fine. He's just a small little dude, but he's yeah he's great he's awesome cool as little kid and he's just ch chugging along you know just uh it's interesting to think about that it kind of now that he's like closer to four it feels like it was such a long time ago but at mm. the same time it's really really vivid mm. yeah and you kind yeah. of wonder is it ever gonna not feel so like big you know? yeah I think so and I think yeah it takes a long time and I remember like when you would tell the story to people because people are like oh my gosh Niku what happened like no one really sort of knows and gets it um and then it would still be really upsetting mm -hmm. like super super upsetting and I know I remember for a really long time when you're on Facebook and I'm sure there's many mum groups and they talk about their preemie babies or early babies and they're like, oh, I had my baby at 38 weeks. I had an early baby. And I'm like, girl, that's full term. Yeah. <laughs> I remember it took a really long time. It for me really bugged me when people would be like, so my, my baby is three weeks old or 40 weeks corrected. And I'm like, that's not. Yeah. You're that, yeah. Not what it, it is. Yeah. It's not what it is. And I know it's just, it's really hard to like, to separate it took me a long time to separate from that to be like that's their journey that's their story for them it's still early but I'm like you don't know what it's like but then I like met people that had 27 weekers 25 yeah. weekers when you're in Niku and I bet they're thinking the same thing about me you don't know what it's like having a 32 week I wish I had a 32 week you know I so. really struggled with people being like oh I wish my I just want to not be pregnant anymore like I just want my baby to come oh, same and like I know like I've been full-term pregnant I get it but yeah at the time, I was like oh can you please not say that to me because you yeah. do 
have an early baby it just I really struggled yes yeah. like of course they wanted to have that they were over it pregnancy yes. is hard and it sucks I know I found myself feeling it the second time I was like oh oh this is awful being this yeah like I got to like 34 weeks and I was like oh my I've still got potentially two months to go here. I know it's such a bizarre it's a, such a bizarre feeling and I think it's yeah it's really it's really interesting but I think it's just people don't know what to say right and they don't I think they 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 obviously don't know and they haven't been in our position so they don't know what is the right or wrong thing to say or how just to sort like, of manage it or how to deal with we it we hadn't been in their position of being super pregnant and over exactly exactly I think it does give us a level of added compassion and understanding when you've been and you've kind of experienced this entire life before your baby was even supposed to be born and then people being like oh I'm so sick of being pregnant. I wish baby would just come now. And I'm like, you don't want a 34 weeker. Like, <laughs> you don't want a 35 weeker even, you know, like it's just, yeah, I think it's an interesting, interesting, um, I guess our own self yeah. things we have to work on. For sure. For sure. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. It's okay. It was lovely chatting with you. It was finally after all this time. <laughs> after all this time. <laughs> So yeah, that was Sinead's story with Atticus and Alfie. Obviously, two very different births. She, with Alfie, got exactly what she wanted, which is amazing, you know, so nice and healing. Um, but yeah, as she said, she did struggle with a lot of anxiety around early birth and, you know, birth problems and stuff, which is to be expected when you've been through prematurity and NICU and everything. Um but yeah, everyone is healthy and happy now. And like I say, I'm so glad that she did have that really positive experience with Alfie. And yeah, Sinead and I have um have known each other for quite a while since pretty much when Atticus and my twins Bo and Luca were born. <laughs> we met on Instagram and we've been like friends ever since. So that's it's really nice to to kind of help my friends through what they went through with this podcast um and not just people I don't know if that makes sense um but yeah so I hope you enjoyed and we will chat again soon bye Welcome to that Niku Mum A podcast where we share the stories of New Zealand parents who have had a baby in a neonatal unit across the country. My name's Shan and I'm your host. Um, today we're speaking with Sinead, whose first baby, Atticus, was born at 32 weeks back in 2020. Uh, she had some threatened labour before he was born, but they managed to 
get that under control and then he just decided 32 weeks was it for him and he was ready to come uh they tried to stop it couldn't and then he was born um so yeah they had quite a fast labor so it was all quite quite go for them Eddie spent six weeks in Wakato Niku he was teeny tiny when he was born 1.9 pound um mostly just oxygen as is common with those kind of uh gestation babies and feeding and growing um you know establishing a, a supply for Sinead and yeah just pretty standard little 32 week of things um she since went on to have another baby boy Alfie but he was born at term so she will tell us a little bit about the differences between her prem birth and her first pregnancy and a full-term birth and her second pregnancy. So, yeah, I hope you enjoy.